Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this week's episodes, In the Red Corner... A comic known for its violence, swearing, nudity and kangaroo sex being turned into a mainstream summer blockbuster. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. It's time to find out if time has been kind to 1995's Tank Girl. It's the year 2033. There's no law, no mercy and no water. The odds of survival are a thousand to one. And that's just the way she likes it. Hi, my. Hi, feeling a little inadequate? While in the blue corner, who knew Sly Stallone's helmet could cause such a stir? But 25 years later, is this film really that bad? We're heading to the mean streets of Mega City One to see if it's time to appeal the ruling on 1995's Judge Dredd. As a city, we continue to grow. 73 citizen riots. Come and get us! Throw out your weapons and prepare to be judged! Judge this! So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. Lock up your sons. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Excellent. Very well. Yeah? Yeah. Good, good, good. Ooh, exciting week, isn't it? It's quite a week. Yeah. Quite an exciting week. It is exciting. <laughs> you missed out exciting when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about these choices. These are my choices yeah. this week. Uh, so it is Judge Dredd from 1995 versus 1995's Tank Girl. Uh, why? I'm sure is the most pertinent question right now. Chris? Why? Mm, why? Why indeed? So I haven't seen either of them since uh, those heady days of the mid-90s. And I thought, I quite want to rewatch them because mm. they've got a bad rap. And I feel like it is time to reappraise them. Mm. And uh, Tank Girl actually does have a bad rap in it. Does it? Yeah, there's a bad iced tea rap in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, of course it does. Yeah. 
I won't lie. <laughs> I've watched Tank Girl twice now, and I still can't remember huge chunks of it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But yeah, and both of them actually had a, a very similarly strange journey to the big screen. So there's there's a fair few similarities between the two of them, which we'll get onto in the connection section. But just tell me honestly, are you excited to talk about these movies? Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I am. I am, Alex. Yeah. I love your T-shirt. I know you hate this bit, but then don't wear great T-shirts. It is a shiny T-shirt, the typewriter. All working on Playmates, Jack and Dollboy. It's beautiful. Mm. He's been busy. Mm. Very nice. Vicky, uh, you've got on, how would you describe that? Just, a just work hurt. skirt. A work skirt. <laughs> it's a bit of work. You've been to the office. You've been to the office, yeah. yeah. Tell so I've got some formal wear on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the office looks over what gorgeous view? Pentonville Prison. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> should do a group outing. <laughs> All right, then, let's crack into this show. The clue I gave on last week's episode was, what a helmet. No wonder the movie tanked. Chris followed that up on Twitter with... Comic calamities. And sure enough, where we are on Twitter, at ClashPod, also on Instagram, at ClashPod, the guesses came rumbling over the horizon. Congrats to Gemma Page, Paul Logue, Reese Page, Alex Elliott, Nathan Drake, who all got the correct answer, but were beaten to the punch by Russell. Well done, Russell. Your prize is some blood water. So, connection section. What do you got, V? Pipes, which is a bit off, but... Bear with me. Mm, I am. Malcolm McDowell puts Tank Girl and that little girl in a pipe. He does. And Rob Schneider and Judge Dredd go (laughs) through a pipe. Run through a pipe. That's all I've got. (laughs) That is all you've got. It's the end of the world. There are deserts, you know. It's a post-apocalypse. Dystopian future settings. Which is annoying, as next week I'd plan to do two films with dystopian future settings. Don't talk about what might have been. (laughs) So I've changed my films because of you. Yeah, and yours arguably (laughs) are better. We'll see. (laughs) But we'll get to those. We'll get to those. Any more? Comic covers and panels. Yeah. Opening credits to Judge Dredd and and Tank Gal. It's all the way through when they forgot to film some scenes. So said to them, just draw some. Can you believe that? (laughs) We'll get into that. Uh, 2000 AD. Uh, Although Tank Gal wasn't from 2000 AD, uh, it was from Deadline, the legendary counterculture magazine. Deadline itself was created by two former... 2000 AD artist. So there's a connection there. Jamie Hewlett worked on both Tank Girl and briefly Judge Dredd. Uh, Two comic books that are potentially the worst idea to ever try and turn into a family-oriented summer blockbuster. Mm -hmm. And comics that, I guess it's the same thing, saw all their social commentary ripped out of them for the big screen. Also, both movies made it onto Siskel and Ebert's Worst of 1995 show. Did they really? Yeah. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. They've got their own section on that show. <laughs> well, we'll see. One of them has to win. <laughs> One of them has to win Clash this week. So it? it does. Oh, I forgot <laughs> I to do that, don't it we? Does. So on Thursday, Chris is the law, which is just the way he likes it, which means today Victoria is going to hit us so hard our children will be born bruised. <laughs> v, take us on a journey. Tank Girl is a fast-talking, hard-drinking, sex-positive punk outlaw. Not anymore, she's not! In this muted version of the underground hit comic, starring Laurie Petty as the titular girl in question, who now barely swears and cuddles a kangaroo rather than doing what she was made to. This is what happens when Hollywood buys something and then wishes desperately it was something else, takes out all the fun and sex toys and pretends it's a naughty Barbie adventure. One where Malcolm McDowell walks on broken glass just to prove he can before drinking water extracted from human blood. See, Tango, something for everyone. Honest. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've only seen this once before in the week, but I did go to the cinema to see it and I didn't know the comic. So isn't that amazing? So I saw the trailer. Wait. What? I remember you said this is, you love this movie. I loved it at the time. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't, I was really young. I didn't know the, the comic. Right. So I would have seen a trailer and the aesthetic, something will have spoken to me. And I went to the cinema to see it. I didn't go, you know, I didn't watch it again after that, but I was very excited about it and I did enjoy it. But I didn't know what was going on, obviously. So this was your second watch this week? Yeah. Okay. And you, you've never visited the comic in between? No. No, no. Okay. okay. What about you? I watched it on video when it came out in 1996 and I did no enjoy it. Right. <laughs> I watched it on video in 1996 <laughs> when it came out. I I know I, I this is the weird thing. I remember sitting down to watch this movie. I remember pressing play. I remember everything up until whatever happened in the movie. Like I do not remember a single thing from this film. So this was like a first watch for me watching yeah. it again this time. I just couldn't remember it. But I know I've seen it. It's hard. It. It's going to be hard to talk about. I haven't done that usual thing. Where I'm I'm trying to say, and then this, and then this, but it's sort of pointless because mm. it was so obviously chopped to pieces that it does barely make sense. And it's a bit unfair to sort of come at it with any sense of narrative, I think. Okay, that's interesting because I was going to ask you that question because, you know, story is God for yeah. you and this is incoherent. So when I was 13, I did wear candy necklaces and I had lots of toys as accessories and I thought I was the shit. So that's why I will have gone to see this. Right, you were in a Riot Girl band. Yeah, I was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you actually were. You played bass in a Riot Girl band. Actually, what were you called? I don't think I've ever heard you say it. I actually don't think we got so far as getting a name. You don't need names. Names are for the man. Fuck yeah, yeah, right. Label. Don't label us. Don't label us, please. What do the flyers say? They don't say anything. <laughs> Flyers are for the man as well. Advertising's for the man. No, I'm going so red. I'm so embarrassed. What, we song, were... what songs did you play? Original numbers or covers? We started with covers between ourselves just to figure out that we could actually play our instruments. Mm. And so unusually for a Riot Girl band, we started off with quite a few easy Beatles covers. Um, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your bird can sing. Me and Lucy. Harmony. You harmonise. It's just, it's a simple harmony, Lucy. <laughs> so you weren't a Riot Girl. You were just a band. We were just just a band, but then we progressed um, to writing some lyrics about like how shit Lucy's boyfriend was. <laughs> He's like, I didn't have a boyfriend, obviously. <laughs> you should have seen me back then. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm just, yeah, a lot of flashbacks there. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you actually play any gigs? Well, the thing is, the band, the Riot Girl band didn't last that long, which is weird. Um, but then I was in a band where we, we started off with, um, unusually for people from Blackburn in the 90s, with Oasis covers. <laughs> 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 but then we did have loads of our own songs. We were re- I thought we were really good. I thought we were going to like okay. make it. <laughs> and this second band, did they have a name? Oh, fuck. We did have a name. It was something It was something about the sky, but I honestly can't remember what it was <laughs> okay. again. All right. But I've always been shit at names, haven't I? So. Do you still play bass? I found my bass in the shed. I mean, how can you not? You can't forget how to play the bass. No. <laughs> it's not it is, that It's the instrument. It, the, yeah. I don't yeah, want to be down yeah. on bass, bass players because I'm. There are, there's a lot of skill for people oh, who are sure. very good at bass, yeah, yeah. but it is the instrument. A lot of people went, I just want to be in the band. What can I do? Learn bass. Yeah. It'll take you two weeks. And then everyone else used to rip the piss at me because I was like, that's not who I am because I learned it because it's the violin backwards and I was a very terrible violinist so I was a brilliant bassist right. but I was like no there's a craft and they were like there isn't it's for failed 
lead guitarists. And a, a bit of news we've got. Um, Vicky's going to bring her bass to the live show <laughs> right. and play a solo at the end. I could probably knock out like the Seinfeld like well, slap bass. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Well, literally, let's put the band back together. Oh my god, I'd love let's to get you, Lucy. Yeah, whatever. Lucy's you were ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that could close out the live show. Yeah, mm. I'm wearing candy necklaces. You think it's fun until it, I'm from Black, until it rains, then it's not fun. <laughs> Doesn't rain in Tank Girl, so it's not an issue. But yeah, bringing us back. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, God, that's professional, isn't it? Yeah. So, do you want to know a bit about this film? Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, so based on the comic strip uh, by Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett. So Rachel Tellerley, the eventual director, she was given the comic by her stepdaughter for Christmas. And she loved it. She felt completely that she chimed with Tank Girl, like that sort of punk warrior aesthetic. And she spent a year chasing the option. She gets the option. She puts a script together to take out to find finance um, for development. She went to the first place she says she went to was James Cameron's company at the time. (laughs) And quote, the executive there said to me, but we already have a movie with a female lead. And I went... What is it? And they went, Joan of Arc. And so, I mean, just the, the amount of shit that she would have had to put up with, like, well, we're doing Joan of Arc, and so we can't possibly do it. <laughs> like, that box has been ticked, I'm afraid. Yeah, uh, move on. But she said, and this is fair, I mean, of the film as well, I guess, like people either got it or they didn't. So she eventually gets 25 million from United Artists, which now, however many years later, is not necessarily something she regrets, but it did cause a lot of complications um, having that amount of money for the budget and a big studio on your back. And also, I think it was, I think the unfortunate thing is she thought that was the best deal on the table because Disney had been after it and she'd gone no to Disney yeah. because she was like, you will not ever let this movie see the light of day. Yeah. Kangaroo sex, mm-hmm. absolutely not. And, you, you, you know, she had a point. But when she's left with this deal, and I think there were New Line were still in the running. Yeah. There were other companies in the running and she definitely picked them. Yeah, she and, says, I had several offers. We mm. all made the decision. It was my ignorance and my confidence that I could handle the studio. And I mean, what can you do? Like, um, yeah, there's, there was, no, there's no way of saying it would have been different anywhere else. No, but, exactly. You, know, you probably do always ask that question if you'd gone elsewhere. And on a smaller budget, perhaps. And they just mm. thought they could just sort of in their heads write it off and then who knows what happens. Mm. Um, but she so when she sold it to UA Alan Ladd Jr. was in charge and during the development it was taken over by John Kelly she said that's when things started to go wrong because he just didn't get it so there was pressure on the script so the eventual writing credit goes to Teddy um, Sarafian but she says there's interference during the shoot but the most amount of interference which is really gutting because I suppose you'd think you'd kind of got away with it was during post so there, lots of scenes were excised, loads of scenes were recut, particularly um, there's all the dildos were taken out, um, which is a choice, I think. Um, and the musical number, that was all chopped up to the point where it didn't even make any sense, like the stanzas didn't align and stuff like that, and nobody cared apart from her. So she, Rachel Tallelay, said she would call their lawyer like every day and just say, I want to leave, and he would convince her that you have to stay. But she was that, you know, every day she's like, fuck it, I've had enough, like let's just forget about it. Um, and then also you did mention about the, the comic book panels. So Hewlett and the uh, the other artist on... Alan um, Martin, t- yeah. And Philip Bond. Mm. So they were only asked to, to sort of step in once production had been finished because there's lots of stuff <laughs> that they could see didn't make sense. So they needed these animated... I think the animation in it is cool and it works, obviously. Yeah, it's almost a shame knowing that they are there to plug holes because you, you, arguably it's an aesthetic choice, the bit where, you know, they finally get the tank and yeah. Jet Girl and her become a thing and yeah. it's all animated. You're like, this is great. Yeah. But to sort of go... <laughs> yeah, Hewlett and Martin were brought in to draw that because we forgot to film the tank bit or we ran out of 
money. Yeah, I've got I've got a quote from um, Jamie Hewlett. who says the script was lousy. Me and Alan Martin kept rewriting it and putting Grange Hill jokes and Benny Hill jokes in, <laughs> and they obviously weren't getting it. Then they forgot to film about ten major scenes, so we had to animate them. It was a horrible experience. I bet it was. I like the idea of them forgetting. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because I mean, you sort of see why they did it. Because Deadline wasn't making any money. The comic that Tank uh, Girl was in, and it's just quite sad that they sort of went, look, we might have a chance to make money out of this and drive interest to the magazine and make some money from the magazine, grow the brand. Mm. And then what happened was the movie comes out, all the Tank Girl fans who love the deadline are up in arms because it's terrible Mm. and disown the comic because they've sold out and it doesn't get any mainstream success and it folds the very same year. I must I must be like one of the only people who they hit who they wanted to hit, which is like <laughs> a teenage girl who had no prior knowledge. You just thought it looked fun mm. and then walked away from it having spent my money and been quite happy. And there's obviously a few like you because this cult has built up around it and uh, Rachel Talale spoke about it quite a lot last year during lockdown. Um, she said she couldn't even think about the film for 10 years because it destroyed her career, but she ended up doing a live Twitter with uh, a love tweet along with with Laurie Petty and I think she's embraced the film now because I think you know it has become quite beloved mm. of, of a certain person for of a certain age and I th- you know it, I enjoyed it more this time than I did the first time I watched it I'll say that especially got- understanding the background yeah. and knowing what they were trying to do and what was stopping them it, it, it gave me a great appreciation for what they actually achieved Definitely. there is there, there's a really good movie in this movie and unfortunately it doesn't lean into what that good movie could have been enough and tries to play it straight too much there's a really anarchic tank girl aesthetic like punk movie in Mm. here which when we get into it there are certain scenes where you go Oh, if you'd done three or four more of those kind of scenes mm. and not like, right, we need the big climax where there's a fight with the bad guys and that narrative, this could have been great. It's when it tries to do normal that it fucks up. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, so speaking of Laurie Petty, I didn't realise this, but she wasn't first choice for Tank Girl. I no, This story is really fascinating. So Emily Lloyd was first choice. I remember this. I do remember this in, in, the, in the magazines and I had stuff. no idea because yeah. Laurie Petty just seems to fit. So she inhabits that role like a hundred, you know, so there's so much commitment mm. there. It's hard to think of her not being first choice. But um, Emily Lloyd, they they were into prep, they were into rehearsals and she just couldn't get past the having to shave her head. So she didn't want to do it. And she knew she was going to have to do it when she signed on, but then it came to it and it just wasn't going to work for her. So they tried like bald caps, uh, different wigs and all the rest of it. And it just didn't. There's a couple of stories about what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Talale brought it up, I think. I think it came up during that tweet along, and or, or an interview. People were interviewing her at the same time, and she said she found it hard to talk about. Yeah, because there was something strange with Emily Lloyd and the screenwriter staying in the same hotel, right? As well, and uh, Rachel didn't like it, or I guess inferring that something was going on between them, and so thinking it was unprofessional. It sounds like that was more the reason than someone not wanting to cut their hair, having trained for four months. Yeah, because um, uh, Emily Lloyd says. It tells it differently. She said she never said she wouldn't shave her head. Mm. Uh, she missed an appointment with a stylist, and that was that. And she was fired off the back of that. But yeah, in the um, in the interview, uh, Rachel Talale says, uh, "I don't even know, even know if it's appropriate to talk mm. about this right now." Yeah, and I didn't know because then I was looking about. Uh, was it true that Emily Lloyd was offered Pretty Woman? Did yeah, I think that? so. Yeah, I, I mean, no she idea. was she was the it gal of the time. Yeah, and then she was going to go and do mermaids, but um, she yep. sort of managed to get herself. Kicked off that also. <laughs> she, she's had a troubled life since then. Emily yeah. yeah, it's quite sad really. Trigger's daughter. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing though about Rachel Delay, I think that also has changed her opinion of this movie because she directed Doctor Who yeah. and she started going to 
comic book gigs, conferences, mm. and um, and people were coming up to her going, sign this Tank Girl stuff, sign this Tank Girl stuff, and she started to reappraise it. But she, you're right, she goes on about like the fact that she was in movie jail and the fact yeah. that it was a female director who made this. And like, you only get one shot. It was an interesting thing about Penny Jenkins, uh, Patty Jenkins, sorry, saying about. Uh, Thor the Dark World and the reason she walked off that was because she really didn't believe in the script and she knew the stigma yeah, of what happens uh, to you uh, yeah, yeah being a female the female director to direct a superhero movie yeah you're carrying everybody else's career mm. the people behind you need you to not fuck up which is awful because that's not how it works if you're a dude mm. um, but the, in reading all these interviews um, with Rachel Taylor in the week like her passion for the project is really really obvious um, and she's saying, you know, when she made Tank Girl, she really believed that she would break the glass in, that she thought she she was going to do it. Mm. Um, she said, I didn't care if it averaged out as a five because I wanted it to be a one or a ten, but that's not what the studio wanted. They wanted a family movie <laughs> and they didn't get that either because <laughs> I can't believe this. So it, with a budget of 25 million, it made six million dollars which yeah. is crazy. And the buzz like beforehand was quite good. Like people were talking about it and then people just didn't turn out. And everywhere I think it's I think she puts it down to the R rating. And I think both her and Laurie Petty say that the R rating really fucked them. Yeah. And they don't believe that if Laurie Petty's character had been a man, if Tank Girl was a male character, it would have got the R rating that it got. Yeah. But they do contradict themselves a little bit saying we didn't want an R rating, but we wanted more dildos mm. and more dick in it. <laughs> That's gonna get you an R yeah. rating. I suppose it's that kangaroo you've dick got the rating. Is, uh, is up there. It's near the top of the MPA. They hate, they hate kangaroo <laughs> dick. Yeah. Weirdly, other animals, fine. But a kangaroo dick is way off. <laughs> um, last thing, fun fact. Um, apparently, a couple of the Spice Girls met in the queue for a casting call and yeah. they had to wait ages to get in. So they said, fuck it, should we start the Spice Girls or something? <laughs> I've seen the video. It could be, there's a little bit of video that's like, these are the Spice Girls meeting, but they fucking did everything. So like, who knows if that's the queue for Tank Girl. And it's just, it's so cringy. It makes you want to die. Um, but there they are going, hi, I'm a, I'm a oh, what she say? I'm a jack of all trades, is what Jerry says. You can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, it is the audition. It is some, the audition. Some trades. <laughs> I'm just not sure that the, the story is true. I'm sure they were together by that point. Yeah, and I think they were put to. I don't think any of those girls were like, shall we start a band? Like, I think they were put together by a man. Um, anyway, that's as much as I've got. Mm. Anything else? Um, uh, one story I like is the fact that they couldn't afford uh, Stan Winston uh, to do the creature effects, but he was desperate to do it. Um, Talale says he just wanted to do the movie more than anything and came and cut his fee so much that I'm sure he was funneling money from Congo. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> Which, who's in Congo? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> oof. Who is it again? Tim Curry's in Congo <laughs> as... Do you remember his name? Oh, God. Homunculus? Uh, Mr. Homolka. <laughs> uh, Mr. Homolka. Uh, yeah, and that is this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. <laughs> How does that feel? It's the sporadic obligatory Tim Curry reference now. <laughs> the occasional obligatory. <laughs> also, I wonder if you've interviewed the storyboard artist and second unit director on this film because he's gone on to make one of the big superhero movies in the last five years. Go on. Pete Ramsey. Of Into the Spider Verse fame. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. he worked. He worked on 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 this movie. So some of the cool visuals came from someone who's very good at creating cool visuals. Yeah, love that film. That's cool. 
Nice. Right, let's talk about the film, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start with a voiceover. No pass from me, just because it's a girl. <laughs> the other, what I was thinking about this is, it's crazy, isn't it, that it's the end of the world, but because it's the 90s, like on a comet hit us, but it's not like the climate or weather. It's like <laughs> something from outer space um, came and ruined everything. But anyway. You, we- so you don't mind the... Uh- Voiceover. I don't like the voiceover. No, nor does the director. In that tweet along, Rachel Zale said, the studio insisted on this voiceover, which I didn't want. They also wrote a really serious one, which we all hated. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, one thing, I'll get onto this, but one thing you cannot accuse this film of is taking itself too seriously. And I think that's what saves it. Because if it tried to be intense in any way, I think it's game over. It's just purely, purely silly. But anyway, evil corporation, water and power. They've got most of the water and all of the power. Mm. So there we are. So then we're off to Tank Girl slash Rebecca's student house. And unbelievably, there's an homage in there to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I was not expecting. <laughs> so it's not rapey this time because it's role. It's definitely role play. <laughs> wow. Did you see it? <laughs> Mate, let's just let us keep talking. I was going to explain. I was just going to, I, was, I wasn't going to mention it. I was like, I can't, I can't get into that again. <laughs> Shouldn't really because you kept coming back to it last week. <laughs> that was in the pub afterwards. I didn't do it on air. The thing is, I'd forgotten about the scene, obviously. And she walks in, there, and the minute she trains that light, and I was like, oh, fucking hell, now I've got to do this because I can't not do it. So, I mean, how is this different to Butch mm, Cassidy? Should it, is this played for laughs? Mm. Yeah, it's played for laughs mm. because the power dynamic between a man and a woman is significantly different. And there was something else that I wrote down, which means it's just titillating rather than terrifying uh, I'll talk about it in the pub probably <laughs> okay moving probably. on excellent yeah I cool. know oh, it might mm, maybe he's, he's do you know what let's not let's what? just not let's not are you sure because we often we often say, oh, that conversation we had in the pub, we should have done that on air. This yeah. is the opportunity to... We're always wrong, by the way. I know, who said that last week? It's like, incorrect. Chris, Chris like, goes, this would be great. Oh, yeah, five we pints said, in. Clash after dark. Yeah. Clash five pints in, five pints in. <laughs> just so much shouting. <laughs> More shouting. Let's set up a Patreon and it's just Clash after dark. <laughs> Anyway, student house, mm. chore wheel, super cute. Love the house. Really? Like, yeah. Like Isn't it. it weird that I, I, on her own, I'm like, I really like Tank Girl. Put her in that house with those people. I'm like, it's a fucking hipster commune. Fuck off. True. You don't I, want I to don't deal like with anyone it. else. Yeah. That's a fair point. It's too much when they're all I was there also together. surprised. Were they not growing? In my memory, they were growing weed downstairs, but they're not. They're just growing vegetables. It was probably weed in one script. But I would have hoped so. Yeah. It? Like, it's such a wasted opportunity. You've got the hydroponics. Um. Anyway. So let's meet Malcolm McDowell being absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, More hilarious than he has any right to be. He wants all of that water because he hasn't got absolutely all of it. Um, I did think this. There are better ways. You know when he holds up the glass and it's got a bit of condensation on it and he's like, mmm, water. It just looks like a dirty glass. (laughs) To me, if you're going to make water look delicious, you know what I'm like. I fucking love ice. So just have ice sculpt. Just like I love. Are you pretending you ever drink water that (laughs) on its own? If it's a mixer, (laughs) but I can't imagine you go. I'll have a water, please. (laughs) You've never heard that sentence. That's what it sounds like. I'd like a water. I'd drink a glass of ice. Um, doesn't your freezer make crushed ice by itself? It used to. Oh, I love my old that. freezer did. Yeah, that's my dream. Well, I'll know I've made good. it when I've got one of them. Yeah, it was a, it was a lovely. It didn't fit in the new kitchen, but uh, just put it out on the street. Yeah, it was great. It was a proper old style American fridge. I love that fridge. I wish you hadn't brought that up. Sorry, I have a lot of feelings for that fridge. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell was uh, uh, Rachel Talley's uh, Talley's first choice, and she said that he 
fucking loved making this movie because he'd just come off Generations. I know. The Star Trek yeah. the year before. Which is where I will have seen him before I saw this. So uh, uh. it's just a, a wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's weird. There was an interview that I ended up watching with him and Laurie Petty on Good Morning America. And um, what, well, at the time? At the time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. And it's uh, it's the, the host goes, his opening like funny line is like, uh, so uh, Malcolm, uh, why do you think uh, they chose you to play a bad guy? And he's like, yeah, I'm very good. But it's just one of these interviews where he's just Malcolm McDowling all over it. And Laurie Petty's like, yeah, the movie is like, it's like, it's like this. And Malcolm McDowell goes, it's the kind of movie where you should leave your brain at the door. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. And, uh, and he goes, it's very loud. It's a very <laughs> loud movie. And what's the music in it? What is that music? Grunge? Is it grunge? I think it's grunge. Yes. It's just very loud. And the host goes, um, so who would uh, go and see this movie? And uh, Laurie Petty goes, everyone. No. And goes, not my mother. <laughs> <laughs> She'd have to take her hearing aid out. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's not the hardest sell anyone's ever done on a movie. It's conf- yeah, conflicting messages a little bit. So he makes his captain walk on broken glass and then kills and drinks him anyway. Do you know who that captain is? We've talked about him on the show. It's not the violinist from Ghostbusters, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're off the hook this week. He's not from Ghostbusters. It's the dad from Society. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh. oh my god! Yeah, I didn't didn't spot that at all. That's Captain Darush. Yeah. Um, back to Saint Girl's house. See, I am actually going to try and put a thread it through with the narrative, but it might unravel a bit towards the end. Um, so uh, Tank Girl's house is raided. Everyone seems to be killed, but they don't kill her because she's the hero. So when I saw this when I was thirteen, I was like, I don't care. I don't understand narrative structure when I'm thirteen. Now that I do, it annoys me a bit, but it's really not in the spirit of the film to be annoyed by something like that. But why do why do the soldiers not kill Tank Girl? They're like, yeah. oh, we can have a bit of fun with you. But then she snaps someone's neck with their legs and it's like, just fucking kill her. Like, you would just kill her, but you can't kill her because she's Tank Girl. Why are they taking her to see Malcolm McDowell yeah. at all? Why, why, why does any of that happen? And why is she sort of not more cut up about everyone dying? Yeah. She seems, I mean, we might as well talk about it here. That's the problem with the character because she has no arc. In this, she's the same at the start as she is at the end. Nothing motivates her like, yeah. at, at all. You don't see an emotional response. Like I think she, when she sees a boyfriend die, she's like, "No." Mm. Anyway, what's next? Mm-hmm. And it's just to have your central character like that is is really interesting, and and fits with like this sort of idea of a, a film that doesn't follow the rules. But then when it is following the rules, you're like, "Who? What journey am I on here?" Yeah, because the the through line they use is she wants to rescue the child. Mm. But that's annoying because it's like she should want to get revenge just for her, like rather than the rescuing of a child as a, in a sort of maternal role. I mean, I know she's not super maternal, but that is that is sort of the suggestion that she's, you know, looking after this kid, which I just don't need. I wanted, I wanted her to be doing it for herself rather than to rescue anybody else. Um, but that's the other thing, what you were saying, like why when she goes to meet Kessley, Malcolm McDowell, you think, oh, well, she's been picked out for something special because yeah. they can see she's got these a certain set of skills and all the rest of it. And he's like, you're going to work for me. And it's like, oh, you're going to be an assassin or you're going to be a spy. And obviously it gets to that later. But at first he's like, you're going to work in the mine with everyone else. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so you didn't kill her and you get a special meeting with the boss to then just go and work in the mine. No. Yeah. Um, I agree. I don't. It's 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 the first puzzlement in a, a long list of puzzlements with this movie, where you're like, "What? Well, why is she special?" Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we'll talk more about dusty showers after a short break. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So a dusty shower. So two uh, to roads by Portishead, oh. which is madness. Great. Yeah, obviously it's brilliant. It's so is it either? I don't want it to be a moment of intensity because I'll keep banging this drum. I think if the film tries to be intense, which we'll get to with Judge Dredd, mm. then it's over with because you can't have it both ways. It has to be if it's this silly, which it is, let's keep it that silly all the way through. Mm. Um but is this a parody of a sexy shower or is it an intense moment where she's like, I wish this was water? Interesting question. I read a quote somewhere with the director saying it was originally in the script supposed to be a horrible scene of this really unpleasant situation where she's got to have a shower. But she, Rachel Talale, changed it because she wanted Tank Girl to have a moment where she was on her own Mm. and just had a moment of relief before going back into all this horrible stuff. It feels to me just like a problem with a lot of this movie is just MTV's too much of an influence. It just feels like music video after music video after music video. And a lot of them aren't very good music videos. (laughs) And so it just, I'm like Malcolm McDowell's mum. I'm getting a headache while I'm watching it. (laughs) I mean, for me, I don't think it's played as a parody of a sexy shower. Okay, Uh, But I don't also think it's meant to be intense. I think it's just... What a weird thing to do. Put Portishead Roads to a powder shower and it's great. I mean, look, Dummy is the greatest album from the 90s, (laughs) full stop. So anything with Portishead on uh, is fantastic. And we didn't mention Courtney Love at the start. Obviously, she put this soundtrack together and this is is the finest song on that soundtrack. This is an amazing song. It's just really, really weird. It's so weird. Mm, I like that though. I like the weirdness. For sure. And again, you know, 13-year-old me was like, hooray! <laughs> like, this is weird, isn't mm. it? Like, I don't need it to make sense. It's It can go over my head. It's fine. Mm. Um, so then she saves Jet Girl. She's called Jet Girl, isn't she? Yeah. So I'm going to mind blank. Um, from the only sexual predator who's not into girl-on-girl stuff, which doesn't <laughs> track for me, but, <laughs> but there we go. Um she finds a tank. Great. For me, again, at 13, I, I, I don't get it. Like, And and then I do need my hand holding a bit to be like, why is the tank so important? Because I haven't seen the comic, but which is what the studio wanted. They wanted me to go and see it. And I see this woman in a tank. Okay, fine. But it, we'll come back to that because it gets a bit better later on. So then 
Kessley chucks her in the freezer, and I this so there's a few lines here. So she's wearing um, a straight jacket in a freezer, and he so first of all, importantly, he sets up. He says she'll be fun to break. So now we've got this idea that he's not just going to kill her. So that gets you out of a whole lot of trouble narratively about why not uh, why you wouldn't just kill her. But then she says to him, "It's really hard for me to play with myself wearing this thing." And obviously at thirty, it was like ha ha ha, that's hilarious. More jokes like that, please. There's one more coming up about sex with your dad, which is so 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 funny. But that's kind of it, which is a real shame. I can't believe that's still in there. I mean, you mentioned John Kelly took over from Alan Ladd Jr. at MGM and at UA. And he was the one he really hates. Uh, this scene was a lot longer in the freezer because she looks terrible. Yeah, it? yeah. Like, she does look terrible. And that was his uh, major argument. He wanted it taken out completely. Right. Focus groups said it was one of their favourite scenes mm. for some reason. But uh, his, his argument was, I don't like the way she looks in it. I don't like the fact that she looks ugly and I want it cut out. That's, that's why it wasn't meant to be there. But then it's amazing that it did make it in because they cut out everything else they didn't like. Mm. So that's incredible, really. Yeah, I think I do remember reading an interview with the director. She's like, I fought and fought and fought and fought, and I got back like twenty percent of what I wanted. And I suppose at some point he was like, I oh, don't you know what, fuck it, I just can't be bothered with this argument anymore. Yeah, she says in hindsight that it's obviously a film that scared the male executives at studios, and that's why they were like, no. Nope. It is difficult to get a note that's like she looks ugly, and it's like, well, she's been in a freezer. Mm. So what do you think it does to someone? Mm. And she doesn't actually. She's still gorgeous, to be honest. Like she's still Laurie Petty. Mm. <laughs> like anyway. Um, so then, then Malcolm McDowell wants to use her as bait to find the Rippers. And the new captain says, you're a piece of cheese for fish, is what I've read out. I didn't understand that. But I don't fish. You will be unsurprised to learn. Do fish eat cheese, Chris? I don't know. I guess so. But I will be talking on Thursday about a feathered fish. So mm. we're going to have a lot of fish confusion this week. I took it as there's no water left sort of lakes and everything so people have forgotten what fish eat interesting and so now <laughs> they think they eat dairy they, products yeah they've they've basically gone uh, fish are basically sort of mice they're danish, swimming mice danish yeah. blue and blue stilton work best um when you're using cheese as bait for fish yeah i, I agree with alex because they wouldn't have seen a fish no, not, not for a long so. time not for a long time not for a very long time um so the rippers come out and kill everyone but tank girl survives just because she hides a bit which seems <laughs> like if it was that easy um but anyway she gets a tank kitted out so i only know about this from research but obviously people that love the comic were understandably upset but will know a lot more than me so there's a scene here with a character called Subgirl, who's like a big deal in the comics yeah but was completely excised from this film. Going to be played by Bjork, and then Bjork dropped out. Courtney Love was going to play her, and then Kurt um, went, and so she obviously moved away from the film. And then the role was massively cut down. But yeah, mm. subgirl, jet girl, subgirl, tank girl. Get it? Mm. I get it. Um, so anyway, we're off. We've got the tank. It's all kitted out. It's, it, it looks amazing. The animation is brilliant. I mean, she, the director said that she put the animation. She said she put the animation in the film because they couldn't afford to make the tank move. It didn't move. Like it's yeah. yeah. She said it like if you wanted it to turn around, it had to drive two miles in one direction, do a <laughs> semicircle, and come back. So every time they had to turn the tank, it was half an hour. <laughs> yeah. So just use some animation panels. It's absolutely fine. But yeah, we're off to Liquid Silver. Now, I bloody love Liquid right. Silver. <laughs> this is when this is when I was like, oh, all right, yeah, this exactly. is this is good now. Yeah, I just think it's amazing. Mm. Like, I love the fact that the the dancers are dancing to Army of Me, but it just <laughs> works so well. Like, I know that people say, oh, it's so off and it's so weird. It's like if I walked into a strip club and they were dancing, I think I would get it. Like, mm. it kind of makes sense. It's, it's a bit like the box. 
If you go to the box. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a bit like the box. It's a bit like the box. What's that? It's a, club. a weird club in central London in Soho. Okay. But it's very hard to get into, so that's why I asked Alex and not you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. They turned Kate Moss away. That was their thing. But they let him in. <laughs> Same night. She was behind me in the queue. Yeah. <laughs> I look back and went, I'm sorry, we've got ya. enough gorgeous people. Now we've got Alex in. Kate, you can fuck off. <laughs> Hippodrome's around the corner, love. <laughs> I genuinely, the one night I got in there, this is quite embarrassing, but I I was out on a night and ended up in a group with um, Fast, Michael Fassbender and he was going there. I followed them uh, and then as he's walking in, he's walking through the crowd trying to get in. I just sort of grabbed on hold of him for, on his back almost and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you're getting in. I want to get in. He said, you're being a literal hanger-on. You piggybacked Fassbender. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you're being a literal hanger-on. I quite like it. Come on. Like, it got me in. Yeah, he yeah, took me in with him. Yeah. He could have gone the other way. Yeah. And then you went, you, but you're not famous enough to play Ant-Man. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Michael. I'll pick someone more famous. But anyway, Liquid Silver looks great. The dancing's amazing. The music's amazing. Um, a slight sort of anachronistic. <laughs> I can't believe you just grabbed him. <laughs> I can't believe he did it either. Has he not got security? Huh? Well, obviously not. No, otherwise you wouldn't be with us. Yeah, anyway, so we're in the club and it's a sex club and there's a slightly, I would say, anachronistic touch because it's a futuristic sex club. But one of the dancers tells the madam that someone wants a schoolgirl for real. And they're like, oh, <laughs> like, what a pervert. But I'm sure that comes up all the time, but not here anyway. So Sam is summoned to... What, um, what, what, what are you talking about? Basically... When does it come up? There are, sec- there are loads of sex clubs where there are underage girls available, obviously. Right. Like, open your eyes, man. Okay. Look around you, mm. yeah? I just, I've never been... So. You've spent time in central London's The Box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't happening. But what I mean is, it's a bit unusual for a madam to be like a schoolgirl. Oh, God, if you insist. She doesn't, does she? I thought she was like, yep. Yeah. Give a give a what's the kid called Sam? Sam, yeah, yeah. And the 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 other person goes, she's ten years old. She yeah. goes, well, not for long. I just don't think the dancer would be like that bothered. I don't know. Yeah, it feels like quite a commercial sex. It's, Maybe it's high end. It, it yeah. feels like sort of the, the future world's equivalent of Stringfellows. And if that happened in Stringfellows, I imagine it would be quite bad. Do you? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I'm over at the box with Chris and Michael. <laughs> Um, so anyway, Sam. it's unbelievable though. I, I find it's just it, 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 it's you still sort of go. That's remembering that this is this was intended as a, a big f- sort of summer tentpole comic yeah. book adaptation. When Iggy Pop is dragging a ten year old to yeah. have sex with her, mm. yeah. and this is in the movie. It's really scary. You're sort of, and she she's all dressed up like a and you're like, I, what, oh, what are you it? what are you making? At what point have you gone? Uh huh. We'll get a fucking happy meal out of this. <laughs> I just, especially because he's rat face as well. So he's a rat face pedo, mm. which is somehow worse. Mm. And is he doing role play already where he's telling her off? <laughs> oh man, that's, that is dark. And at what point does Iggy Pop get a script and go, we just need you for one scene, Iggy? He's like, great, 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 great. What is it? You're a, a rat face pedophile and uh, there's a 10 year old that you're dragging. <laughs> to, to have sex with her. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, cool, great. Mm. It's good to see him. Good to see him. He, he does very well in that role. Um, <laughs> great. So then we've got the infamous um, Cole Porter routine with the madam who can sing. Um, and that is that is a shitload of fun. It's mad. And I suppose at this point in the film, if you were older than me when you watched it, you might have given up on sort of the narrative thread. If you're 13, me, just like, that's fantastic, whatever. And watching the chorus line and the can-can and the song itself, great. 
Chore- choreographed by Adam Shankman. Yeah, hairspray director. Our old friend uh, <laughs> who choreographed the dance sequence in Boogie Nights that we talked about recently. Oh, yeah. It's, um, this is what the movie should be. Yeah. So this, this, it's this whole sequence in Liquid Silver, this is the, the tank girl that we, we should have got. This just like... Just proper what the fuck. Yeah. And I, I love uh, Rachel um, Tillet, they just sort of going, I just decided let's do a musical number because I love musicals. Mm. And it fits. This It's it's crazy that it has nothing to do with the narrative. There's not nothing moves forward. It's just a, a, a really fun musical number. And I think more of this would have made it better. I think as well, you get to put Tank Girl next to other women, which sometimes help because Jet Girl is more of a girl and Sam is a child. So it's fun to put her with other women and see how she reacts in that situation. And she doesn't embarrass them or shame them, but she doesn't. It's interesting to watch the way that she dances as opposed to them, because when they're doing the can-can, they're really professional. She's just like a boot in the air. And it's still attractive. And you, you just, when she does something like that, especially when you're 13, you're like, I would, I want to spend time with you because mm. you don't give a shit. Like, yeah. that's so attractive. It's like the machine telling her how to dress and where to shave and everything beforehand yeah. in that sequence, in the in the pretend, in the the makeover sequence that isn't a makeover sequence, but kind of is. Yeah. And she just takes everything and makes it unique and individual. Yeah. That's great. Which is catnip to me mm. at that age. I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway... Jet and Tank Girl. Jet, by the way, getting cuter and cuter as the film goes on. Someone's lost their glasses. Someone's found a bit of eyeshadow. I noticed. Was this was this Naomi Watts' big first first big movie? God, it must be, mustn't it? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, she didn't really hit the big time, big time, big time until two thousand and one when she starred in Mulholland Drive. Down a killer elevator movie in New York, where an elevator murders people that use it. And also Mulholland Drive. But if you haven't seen Down, it's fucking brilliant. It's a remake, actually. Yeah, the Jonathan. original, I recommend. Really? Yeah, just to be geeky. Just as a little taste, there's a scene where uh, a roller skater roller skates into the lift. The lift goes up to the 80th floor and then spits him out of the edge of the skyscraper. Cool. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah. Let's find a reason to do it on the show. This is so much fun. We'll do the old one and the new one. There you go. All right. That'd be a, a fun week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think our USP at the very start was remakes versus originals. We did I don't think that. we've ever done that. <laughs> we've never fucking done Dante Peak versus Volcano. I think it's two years in. Yeah. Why, why do we refuse to do it? I think we should do... Do you think it's bad luck or something? We should do two, two animal movies at some point. I think we should do the remake of Psycho with the original. <laughs> the the shot, shot for shot, shot remake. And we'll no. just say everything we said on the first episode, but and change the names. The <laughs> Yeah, we'll just we'll just wild track Vince Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Copy and replace. Can't replace. <laughs> so let's get to the Rippers, who I am in love with. Um and Stan Winston loved them. Like you said, he gave the production a discount because he wanted to work on them. They were bored on Congo, apparently. So <laughs> part of the the appeal it's, it is sort of worrying though. When when she goes, I think he was funneling money from Congo, and you're like, <laughs> well, these rippers look better than everything in Congo, <laughs> yeah. so that would be true. Apart from when Amy drinks the martini, that's amazing. <laughs> green drink, green. <laughs> green drop drink. <laughs> but Amy wants green drop drink. Perfect. Mm. Um, but what I like about the Rippers so much, I mean, we'll talk about their costume because we're going to get onto the, the missing sex scene in a minute. But just that they're like 90s dudes, which I'd forgotten, like kind of like peaceniks and like jazz loving and mm. playing the bongos. And they're trying to desalinate water, which doesn't pay off, which is a huge shame. But they're just these bros. Like, 
I liked spending time with them. I love their backstory that they were, you know, the human DNA splicing <laughs> and things like that. And I, I wanted to spend more time with them. I've got it written down. I should want to hang out with these dudes, but they are cretins. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just thought they were, I thought their dialogue was terrible. And for me, I wrote down, I thought they had the opportunity to save the movie if they'd been cool and interesting and fun, but I did not like them. I mean, they could have saved the movie if they were given the payoff to that setup, which is we're working on desalinating water, seawater. And then we figured it out. And also, it really annoyingly, and it, it's hard to know where we're giving the director a pass because we know how much this film was chopped up and it's hard to know what was her intention. But little things that annoy me now that wouldn't annoy me then. So, they, you know, Johnny Prophet's gone to talk about desalination. Johnny Prophet, Johnny Prophet. Yeah. And you want to meet him so much. 100%. And he's set up in the beginning and he's just a corpse. And it's like, well, that's annoying because he's going to be like, What's he going to look like? What's he going to be like? What's he going to do? And he just turns up dead. And his death is the inciting incident for the Rippers. But because we haven't met him yet, it means nothing to us. And so we can't really understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And it's it's just a massive anticlimax for Mm. us because he's been hugely built up and it goes nowhere. But again, I think if the movie had like, if it felt like the film was purposefully not playing ball and that reveal of him being a corpse you were like oh I can't believe they've done that then you're working then it is that punk movie I I, I don't 100% agree when I I was figuring out my changes I I was coming with all these changes to what I in my opinion would improve the narrative but they were more traditional Hollywood beats that I'd expect from a film like this Mm. whereas that would undermine the spirit of the character in the comic and if that's what they were trying to do with this movie then they're right and I'm wrong but yeah. it doesn't make for a brilliant viewing experience. Yeah, but it doesn't because it's 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 half of one and half of the other. It's if you knew, if you sort of were like, if it set it up like we're about to meet Johnny Prophet, ah, and he's a corpse, and you got that from the movie, and you it felt intentional, and that was the joke. I I'd, well, I'd love it more. A, a film that does it in the right way is Deadpool, I would say, hmm? that, yeah. that managed to take the piss and undermine every Hollywood convention. And yet by the end of it, you've probably gone on a traditional hero's journey without really realising. Yeah. I mean, she, Rachel Talley, just think this is a, see this as a precursor to Deadpool. And if she was making it now, it would, you know, because Deadpool did brilliantly, obviously, and everybody loves it, you'd be able to do what she wanted to do in the first place. It was just too much for the time or who knows. Um, so one of the scenes that I mean very famously was didn't make it. So in the comic, Tank Girl, Tank Girl's boyfriend is a kangaroo man called Booger, mm. and they have sex. Of course they do because they're a couple. And in this film, they just have a cuddle, and it's so obviously a post-sex cuddle. So you know that you're at thirteen. I didn't know that, but you know it now. And they made the naked ripper, and they made the prosthetic penis and they filmed what they wanted to film and she knew it wasn't going to get put in but she said she just wanted to do it as a gift to Stan Winston because he'd gone to so much trouble <laughs> he loves kangaroo cock yeah and he does yeah, this he is eats, my yeah. gift to you Stan just, uh, yeah. just a bottle of champagne <laughs> next time please fine but thank you for me, giving me back the kangaroo penis you made me make I'm not sure it's all that professional right you should tell her to go to all this trouble just as a gift for Stan Winston what? those poor actors they spent thousands of pounds yeah. on that kangaroo cock yeah thousands of pounds it's weird as well they said iced tea was very funny because apparently like it was they was i think it was arizona they were shooting and it was killer hot and then those suits were obviously really heavy they had loads of servos in to move the ears and yeah. everything and iced tea just like kept his cool he kept going better than prison oh <laughs> that's what he just kept saying and they were like you're right he's like it's better than prison there you go that's a link to judge dread rob schneider says that talking about uh 90s albums like dummy the other great album body camp oh that's a great album yeah 
Yeah, I mean, God, it was just, it was just, oh, I mean, I don't want to be that person that can't get out of the 90s, but it wasn't, it was a fun time to be a teenager. Member body count. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I know Chris is pulling a face now because we talked about this the other day. It's member berries. Uh, unfortunately, we do that a lot. <laughs> so me going, yeah, member berries from South Park. But South Park have fucked up everything for everyone. And just because they, they have gone to the next level of taking the piss out of nostalgia doesn't mean you can't still do it. Shut up, South Park. Not- Take your fucking 900 million and piss off. But all, Yeah. And I also, they got paid like, that 900 million. No, I can't because it's a figure that makes no sense to me. <laughs> Amazing. It's a very big number. But not everything in the 90s was cool that made it into this film. No. Stomp. <laughs> when the kangaroos do their dance prayer. Um, Rachel says she was she was channeling Stomp, which was big in 95. Yeah, yeah. It's conspicuous by its absence from the, the London theatre these days. I mean, I liked watching the kangaroos do that. So I remember that. <laughs> I think as well, just to do some, just for a quick second, the sort of more serious look about why why 13-year-old me and other people like me loved the way that Tank Girl looked not knowing the comic but we used to use like we oh god you like I used to wear old toys as accessories and kids jewellery and like the glittery eyeliner and your hair up in little like alien bunches and all of that and it was now that at the time I just thought oh god I'm constantly like drawing things on myself and <laughs> designing my own t-shirts and wearing big man's trousers and whatever else and I think it was a way of like desexualizing ourselves at a time when we knew we were on this sort of threshold where we didn't want, we weren't quite, well, I personally wasn't quite ready to be sexualized. So you're trying to like, you put on this armory of like toys and kids stuff to like throw it back at people. But you are aware of your own like sexual power at that age. So it's like you're playing both sides of the fence. That's not quite right. But do you know what I mean? And so when you see that in a grown woman, you're like, yeah, she's she we can we can keep this going like forever and we'll be fine and we'll be really protected. <laughs> I think kangaroo sex when I was 13 would have upset me, but it means I would have talked about this film every day for the rest of my life, whereas it just <laughs> melted away because Again, you got to be careful though. It's not kangaroo sex. Uh, Sorry, and we not, are yeah. we are not uh, in any way suggesting that having sex with a kangaroo is acceptable. These are part human, yeah. part kangaroos. So and isn't Booga just, a bit got dog in him as well? He's got, well, he's got a bit of dog. Actually, yeah. he is part dog, he says part he's kangaroo. Full, yeah, full dog. Yeah, he's at a some smart point. dog. Okay, so he's pure animal. Because I was going to say, like, you could have sex with a centaur, and you're fine because that's right, yep. part part horse, part man. Uh huh. Minotaur, but, but, ditto. Yep. Isn't the in the bottom bit, the horse bit. So Doesn't be matter. Having sex with the horse. Yeah, but as I think, sort of on an on a moral level, rather well, than a physical thing. All right. right. What about having de- uh, having sex with a duck? No, that's that's a complete animal. Can we talk about that at our live show? No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You're not going to talk about the most famous scene. <laughs> no. September the fourth. Get your tickets now. King's Place. What yep. a professional. Lovely. What a sell as well. <laughs> Ever wanted to have a discussion about having sex with a duck? Fourth of September, nine thirty, <laughs> King's Place. It's uh, been a quite a few years for everyone. The so guard- what you've been missing? <laughs> the Guardian talking- officers are in the same building. You <laughs> <laughs> a Guardian reader? Just come downstairs on that Saturday and uh, listen to us discussing having sex with a duck. <laughs> so yeah, it's- this was a vote, by the way. You voted for this. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Mm. Not you. <laughs> I didn't vote. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just going to drink some of this water. Mm. Bear with. Oh, mm. on brand. Mm. Mm. What, must, what, How's that? What must it be like in 2033 when there isn't any? <laughs> 
I don't care. Um, so yeah, let's go on Stormwater and Power for the last time. Um, Kesley finds time to stuff an annoying girl in a pipe for a bit, which is, uh, I don't care about that kid. Odd torture device. It doesn't, I don't want it to happen to me, but it doesn't look that bad. She doesn't even lift her chin up. Like the water's coming and she's like, help! <laughs> it doesn't look that bad. No. Being trapped in a pipe with water thrust upon no, you. No, because I tell That's you what terrible. it is. When you, so in. Um, I just don't understand why it's necessary that the pipe gets narrower and narrower. Why can't it just end at some point? It's a narrow pipe. Yeah, you reach the end and then it starts to fill with water. It's like, surely if it gets narrower and narrower, there's still about. Another like twenty meters of pipe that you're too wide to go down that has to fill with water first before yeah. the level reaches you. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I think when you see people buried alive, what's that? F- God, I should remember the Tommy Lee Jones, um, not the Marshall, oh, Double Jeopardy. Right. So when you're in a coffin and in Kill Bill, you think you can get out, and that's what that's what would drive you mad. In the pipe and the water's coming in, I'd be like, well, I can't get out of this, so I'll just gently drown. Okay, like I think it could be worse. That's what a lot of people say about drowning. Gently, yeah, it's just very. It's a very gentle way to go. Yeah, but I would do better than Sam, who just like sticks her lips under it. Anyway, um, so this is the other thing. Malcolm McDowell's face, since he got burned in the attack by the Rippers, which Tank Girl survived by hiding under a bit of debris, his face has been hidden the whole time, right? Well, he had his head chopped off. He had his head chopped off. But you you, you know, you do the classic, you know, the big baddie behind the mm. chair shot and you see his mechanical arm. Yeah. You do not see what he's got for a head or a face. But he's been in bandages. So you know that some reconstructive surgery of some sort has taken place. By right? James Hong. By James Hong. James Hong. But the point... Everyone knows those shots. Everyone knows that that you're not, you haven't seen his face. So his face is going to be now that we're going to see it, a fucking big deal. And then he pops out. And it's like, oh, it's just your face. <laughs> still, we don't. At that point in the scene, you still, you don't think, oh, it's a hologram head. You're like, oh, it's just you. Yeah, that's guy, Yeah, I mean, he has the bandages on before his head is severed. Yeah, so, and then he gets his head cut off. But yeah, I mean, it's weak. Yeah, a, a sort of hologram head. I just sort of. I, the problem is that you're like so. It, what you need is Malcolm McDowell's real head floating in in a, in a jar, but controlling the hologram body. Yes. And so there is still a physical thing that you can kill because you've just sort of turned him off. His death is like not not very good. Yeah, I, I love the bit where she's firing cans of beer at him from a tank. That's amazing. And he's like, pow, pow. <laughs> I think that's so crazy. But then when his head just pixelates and it's like you say, she's just turned him off. And that's the end. Mm. And then very quickly, doesn't she push a button or something and all the water comes out, which is wasteful. It will go into the desert and the desert will absorb all the water. Yeah, this ending's been chopped to pieces, though. It, yeah. There's an ending where it starts raining, apparently, that didn't make it. Because um, that's foreshadowed early, because they do talk about... It gets a mention at the beginning to yeah. set the scene, but someone the, says it in the middle. The mural on the wall. Yeah, yep. we'll make it rain, mm. exactly. Um but they don't. So I don't know what happened with the ending. It's not the best ending. Um, it should have been Johnny Prophet has figured out how to fix the seawater and the Rippers get the ending and they rule the world. Kind of I thing. wasn't dead at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. Good for me. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right then. So, uh, Chris, what would you say your best scene was? You just said it. I like her firing cans of beer through a cannon to kill the villain. Um, I wish the whole film was like that. Yeah. That seems to have the spirit of the comic and um, it really made me laugh. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Don't want to ruin Thursday, but hands down, possibly the best scene from either movie this week is the musical number in uh, Liquid Silver. It is 
just great. It's the only scene that since I watched the movie and then I was like, I'm probably not going to watch that again anytime soon, but I've watched the musical number three times on YouTube since, <laughs> as is my want. Um, it's also my favourite scene. Mm, it's great. What's your most valuable whatever, Alex? Uh, I like I like the choreography, the musical scene, which makes it go to Adam Shankman okay. uh, because it's brilliant. Uh, I do... Um, I do think Courtney Love's soundtrack is amazing. Mm. Putting anything from Dummy on there is great. So Courtney Love gets a mention. Um, and So the Laurie Petty thing, I think like some of the time she is the most fantastic thing in this movie and it's her energy and her commitment to the role that keeps the whole thing going on. I think she's underserved by the script because I think she has the potential. There's such missed potential here. The gags just fall flat. There's like three good gags in this whole thing. And if you like, you triple that number, quadruple that number, you've got a character that you're like, freaking out, funny as well. Mm. And like, that would be uh, amazing. So I kind of want to give it to Laurie Petty, and I, I, part of me does, but it's just, it, it just misses the mark, but it's not her fault. Okay. So who have you given it to officially? Adam Shankman. <laughs> what about you? Mine's quite similar to yours, Alex. I wrote down Laurie Petty does the best with what she's got. So, but I gave it to Courtney Love because I said she's assembled a great soundtrack that captures that time and place in music. But then I'm not sure how involved she actually was in the soundtrack. Um, it sounds like she wrote down some notes, she sent some tapes, but it's a woman called Bonnie Greenberg who was actually the music supervisor. Mm. So I think it was cool to say Courtney Love did the soundtrack, but I think Bonnie Greenberg did. And I want to give the credit to her because this music, although I get annoyed with the music video aspect of it, the soundtrack is the best part of it, I think. Yeah. So I've okay. got something very similar, Laurie Petty, but the, <laughs> the voice. So I didn't talk about the scene where they go, where her and Jet Girl go to find the weapons and they pretend to do a fashion shoot because oh, yeah. it's quite painful to watch because it looks like student improv a little bit um, but she stops doing the voice for a second the the squeaky sort of mm. high pitched voice and it's such a relief because it was getting it gets a bit much and when she does a different voice you're just like oh that's just for a minute <laughs> that's mm. just quite nice so I think I'm going to give it to Catherine Hardwick because mm. I think what appealed to me about this film or or Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett because it's just the it's something it's the look that drew me in this sort of Knowing nothing about it, I was like, I really, really want to see that film. And everything about the way that it looks just chimed with me, 13-year-old me. And it's nice to remember me being like that at this age. Um, so, yeah, toys, glitter, all of that. I meant to write this down, so excuse me. I, f I don't know her name, but she just was nominated for an Oscar for um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the costume designer. Is it Ariana Phillips? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, because I actually, I think I'll give it to her because I literally love every outfit that Laurie Petty wears in this movie yeah, and I kind of wish that I could wear them all. You can wear them all. I could, but I could have done it if I, when I was a teenager and I probably did. They're exactly the same shape. What are you talking about? Yeah, I just... Oh, you I, mean, you don't mean at Halloween, you mean every day? Yeah. Oh, no, God, sorry, that was really judgy. If you can wear what you want. Well, can I? Yes, you can. Every day? I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I retract that. I support you. Thanks very Wear much. what you want to wear. All right, good. Put some sport socks on your arms. She just go. looks very cool. Yes, she does. Um, yeah. What would you change, though, Alex? Me? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I've said it all as we've gone through. The problem is that she's an amazing character, but she doesn't change at all. And that's her nature not to take anything seriously, um, which is fine. But I think when the film tries to crowbar a traditional narrative onto this and onto her character, it just sort of ends up being like you just not you're not invested in it. When in fact, if it just went full blown nonsensical madness punk, it would be ten times the movie. 
Yeah, I agree to an extent because we were trying to figure out at the start why she's doing this. You know, you were saying it was she's doing it for Sam, the little girl, or she's doing it for herself. But at the start, it's it's her, it's Tank Girl avenging her boyfriend's murder, which is not Tank Girl. That doesn't feel like that character. So don't kick off on the wrong foot. And as I said before, the thing with Johnny Prophet, either introduce us to Johnny Prophet or kill someone else, but don't have him be such an important character at that moment when we never spent any time with him but just the structure's all wrong as well you know um, Sam gets kidnapped and then escapes and then kidnapped and gets escaped and escapes Tank Girl gets kidnapped escapes gets kidnapped escapes it's very repetitive so you know just spend more time on that script and maybe let the creators have a crack at the story yeah um, mine change is really similar, just to make it really rude again. But not not even a, I'm not even talking about the sex, but the joke. So, like you say, joke pass, which is really rude. So the joke where she says to Jet Girl, it's like the first time you had sex, and you look up and you say, "Daddy, are you sure this is right?" That's fucking funny. I'm mm. sorry, but that is really funny. That is funny. So more of that because the joke where she kills the man. When she make when he pulls his trousers down and she's like, oh, I need a microscope to see your dick. That's not funny. Yeah. Like that's like school not funny. So whoever wrote the other joke, get them to write loads more jokes yep. and put them all back in because just workshop that. He's got his dick out. What can you say? And it's not, oh, I can't see it. Cause it's just like that just feels like BBC, like fucking family sitcom, not funny, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, just more of that, basically. Good work. Yeah. Right then, that is Tank Girl done and dusted. Chris, do you want to do a quiz? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to come up with a new quiz every week. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Richard just... Richard Osman's come up with two in about 10 years, and he's a multi-multi-millionaire. Mm. I come up with a new one every week. Mm. I make nothing. nothing. So there's a quiz, a kind of quiz I did about three weeks ago that seems to go well, so I've used that quiz Is it again. animal noises? No, it's the tagline quiz. So I'll give you the tagline from the poster and then you give me the film. Okay. okay. And these are dystopian future movies. Okay. To narrow it down for you. I got you. Number one, could you kill your best friend? Looper. Uh... Zodiac Man? Not Zodiac Man. <laughs> Does it, are called? they real movies, Chris? <laughs> Zodiac Man. I like Zodiac Man. What's that, what's that film called? With Will Smith as himself. Oh, Gemini Man. Thank you. No. Gemini Man. No. no. <laughs> I said it first. But Could it's... you kill your best friend in a dystopian future? Uh, Gattaca. No. It's a rubbish tagline, though. Battle Royale. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> makes total sense. <laughs> Number two. Free your mind. And the rest will... <laughs> Minority Report. Oh, Free Jack. Uh, Total Recall. Uh, the Matrix. Correct, it's The Matrix. Uh, well played, I Alex. can't believe I don't remember that. He rules the roads. Mad Max. Mad Max. <laughs> Correct. Uh, man has made his match. Now it's his problem. The Terminator. No. Robocop. No. That thing with Will Smith in. No. Thank you. Maybe better than all those films. Right up there. Children of Men? Absolute classic. Nope. Man has made his match. They're kind of robots, but they're called something different in the film. Uh, with an R. Replicants. Replicas. Oh, Blade Runner. Correct! (laughs) (laughs) You got the word, but not the film. You did it me. (laughs) Okay, this is a longer one now. This is basically the synopsis. So here we go. It's about flights of fantasy and the nightmare of reality... Terrorist bombings and late night shopping, true love and creative plumbing. Made by a python. Brazil. Correct. Oh, fuck off. Because <laughs> De Niro's the yes, plumber, isn't the he? Plumber, yeah. He's the plumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
He must protect our only hope. Children of men. Correct. <laughs> That's why I looked at you because you'd already said it. I was going to go with Gemini man. <laughs> uh, the world will be watching. Oh, I know. Independence Day. No. Uh, War of the Worlds. Minority Report. No. In terms of watching on TV. The Truman Show. No. Uh, the world will be watching. It connects with the first answer. What was the first on answer? this quiz that you did? Oh, get. the Hunger Games. Correct. Oh. The Hunger Games. Uh, that is three all and so it's going to go to a tie break question oh god uh, <sighs> alright I'm going to look at you I'm going to look at you Vicky Okay. because this is a normal question now not, not a number question this is a normal question Judge Dredd star Rob Schneider mm. won worst actor at the 26 Golden Juice Raspberry Bigelow, Awards European Gigolo correct <laughs> <laughs> I know Alex had an advantage there but I thought you might have snuck in <laughs> woo <laughs> Uh, I knew something good would come from being in that movie and it finally has I just didn't know until this week it had won a golden raspberry congrats Alex uh, yeah. we should celebrate well that later that's uh, yeah big big day it was uh, released um, when was it released? don't ask me <laughs> you were in it I can't remember it was an anniversary anyway on Twitter someone tagged me in it and I was very close to reposting it and then I was like what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? Glory days. It's, it's, it was bad at the time and it's dated worse. <laughs> All right then. Uh, very quickly, uh, Chris mentioned it during the episode. Uh, our first ever Clash of the Titles live show is happening as part of the London Podcast Festival on the 4th of September here in London Town, right near King's Cross at King's Place. Uh, we would love you to come. Tickets are available right now if you go to the London Podcast Festival website. Uh, you can find out all the details on our Twitter page at ClashPod. Uh, once again, it is Howard the Duck versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It is going to be epic. Chris and I have something special planned. Vicky may be involved. It's a discussion. It's a discussion right now. Hmm? It's a discussion. Sure. I'm not asking for commitment on air. It's a discussion. There's, there's three verses. <laughs> carry on, carry Absolutely on. Carry on. Carry on. Uh, right then, uh, looking ahead to next week, it is Christopher's Choices. So what is the clue for next week's movies? Good Boys in Blue. Good Boys in Blue. And that's good. That's a good clue. <laughs> All right, lovely stuff. Before then, we're going to be back on Thursday talking 1995's Judge Dredd. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us if you have the time. It's a great help and check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at FlashPod. Bye-bye. Speak to you Thursday. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.